0: Everybody, welcome to the Faith and Phantom podcast. Hector Mirai here, and today we're going to be talking about The Book of Clarence. The Book of Clarence is a 2024 film, uh, kind of produced by Jay Z and is a sophomore kind of effort to the Netflix film The Harder They Fall. If you are familiar with that, that'll give you a roundabout understanding of the style that james seymour brings to a film the production the the general vibe of a film now this being a film of biblical relation in nature obviously is going to have a lot of critics um, from the religious community it's also going to in a sense put people that aren't fans of the religious community on edge, which makes it a harder film to sell and to enjoy, kind of as a general public, because it's kind of, as Parks and Recreation put it, too Christian, but not Christian enough. And so we're going to look at how this, hear my thoughts on it. And again, these are opinions, not something that you have to take as dogma. Uh, Is Currently, the film has a $40 million budget and at the time of this recording, which is one week after the film's release. It is sitting at $3 million, so it is not performing well at the box office, but that's always, you know, that's never an indicator of if a film is truly good or not. Box office reports can vary widely range, but, so let's start off, if you haven't seen The Harder They Fall, then... You may be surprised when you watch this, this film, but I will just say it again. If you can enjoy a gritty cowboy film, you should check out The Heart of They Fall. Um, but with that, James Seymour's films in this nature are by and large a predominantly all or very heavily uh, African-American casted films. Um, the Heart of They Fall is basically an all African-American film cast. And, uh, this film features similar actors, but in kind of the same vein, how many period pieces like biblical dramas and Westerns featured almost all Caucasian casts. Uh, James Seymour's films in this right do the inverse and have a predominantly African-American cast. Um. This movie features Lakeith Stanfield, who was in The Heart of They Fall. He was in Get Out. He's in Atlanta. He's in a lot of different things. He's a fantastic actor. Um, it also features James McAvoy as a Roman centurion. Um, there, And you're going to recognize a lot of people from different things. But also, there's going to be a lot of actors you won't recognize. Now, this movie... Uh, I heard described as a cross between gladiator and the life of Brian, the Monty Python comedy, uh, which features uh, a man named Brian who just happened to grow up at the same time as Jesus around the same place as Jesus. And that's not an inaccurate description. This is less of a intentional comedy or spoof of Christianity and more so a tale of a man trying to find his way. That happens to be living at the time of Jesus. The main character of the film is Clarence, and Clarence is the brother of Thomas the Apostle. Um, Thomas's name uh, is Didymus. One of his other names in scripture is Didymus, which means the twin. So they kind of took that idea and ran with it. And so Clarence is the atheistic. hooligan ish, uh, version or of his brother, Thomas, the apostle. And, you know, the movie starts out with Clarence and Mary Magdalene having a street race on, uh, chariots for money. And Clarence is indebted to, uh, his, uh, romantic interests, brother, who is basically a street level gangster in his own right in biblical times. And so he's indebted to money. He plans to win a street race with Mary Magdalene to pay the money back and becomes further in debt. Now it's also depicted again, this is not meant to be that this is a holy story or even an accurate biblical depiction. Um, but it places a character within biblical times. And so, uh, Clarence is a hustler. He is a uh, purveyor of illegal herbs. So he's, he's a drug dealer in biblical times, And but he's not that good of one. And so he finds himself uh, at odds with the street urchins, at odds with the local gangsters, and desperately in need of finances. <clears throat> he has a few days to pay back these finances, or uh, he's going to be killed. Severely. And so he also has a romantic interest who he's not allowed to have due to social restrictions, her brother, etc., etc. So Clarence is estranged from his brother Thomas because when Thomas went off to go follow Jesus, he basically abandoned his mother by this story. And his mother was sick and on her deathbed, and Thomas abandoned her to go follow Jesus. So Clarence has some bitterness and resentment and angst towards his brother, Thomas. Now, the performance is in this. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield does a fantastic job. His sidekick uh, does a fantastic job <clears throat> of just being there, being present, being in it. And we also get the young man who plays Lucas from Stranger Things, uh, also has a small role. But the the basic concept is that this man wants to get his debt paid, and get the girl. It's the short version. And he finds that the best way to do this, he thinks, will be to become the 13th apostle. Because the movie depicts Jesus in a very, from 99% of the storyline depicts Jesus in a very respectful way. Of not only biblical standards, but of just representation. Um, and how you see it, you don't even see Jesus for the majority of the film. You don't see his face for the majority of the film. Um, he's often left in the shadows and things like that, but you see the, the, you see a lot of the response of the community. And so Clarence thinks that if he becomes the 13th apostle, then he can learn, to make money the way that the, the the apostles and the disciples do, the way that they give Jesus money. So he wants to become an apostle to make money. And everyone, you know, sees the 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 failure behind that. So he approaches the disciples and uh Judas being Judas says if you really want to prove um that you want to be a disciple, go free all the slaves from a certain slave trader and then we'll consider you not that any of the disciples ever had to do an audition process um but he decides to take it on himself and he tries to go and free the slaves he has a big gladiator style fight and he fails to free them all um but he does get the freedom of one who becomes his friend who becomes his associate And with that, he forms a small crew. Uh, The disciples still won't have him, still don't want him. Judas is obviously leery of him. Thomas still has family resentment and bitterness towards him. And with that, so at this point, Clarence in the story decides, well, if he can't join the apostles, then he'll set up his own scenario. So he decides to, sorry, he decides to falsely convey himself as a messiah. So he and his handful of friends start performing fake miracles. They start uh, doing things to garner the respect and the finances of people. They're in the process of here and there fake raising people from the dead, curing diseases, stuff like that. Everything he sees Jesus do, he mirrors and mocks to the point where he can make a dollar off of it, a profit from it, and it begins to work financially. But at the same time, even though he claims to not believe in God, it starts to wear down on his soul to the point where he doesn't know why he's even doing this anymore. He doesn't know why he's even doing this. And literally, you can start to see the fact that none of the money is satisfying him. The praise is just making him feel hollow because he knows he's not a messiah. But it's wearing down on his soul. Well, in the process, Judas, being Judas betrays, uh, Clarence by selling him out to the Romans because they are looking for all the Messiahs. In this process, they want to get the people who are taking Rome's attention, which is very accurate in the time and get them out of the way. Judas throws them Clarence as a way of getting them off their own tail. And so just when Clarence is getting to the point where things are going the best for him. He actually takes a lot of his finances, and he goes and frees all the slaves he couldn't do before, and he gets all these captives free. He's actually doing things that are encouraging and changing the world, but he's still weighed down. He finally makes an attempt to get his love interest, and it turns out to be a setup, and he ends up getting arrested uh, as a messiah by the Romans. Now, in this process, there's, you know, a lot of other things go down with it. But Clarence, from the moment he gets arrested, uh, starts to make sure it's clear that he is not the Messiah. He's telling the Romans this. Now, around the same time in the storyline, Clarence's sidekick actually sees Jesus and sees the interaction. One of the first times we actually see Jesus in his full uh, presentation is in what would be the John chapter 8 story of Jesus stopping the woman from being stoned. In this case, uh, the stoning is already happening, but Jesus comes up and <clears throat> stops the stones mid-air, causes them to land, and then does the whole, whoever without sin cast the first stone speech. And which he gains Mary Magdalene uh, as a follower, but that also clearances sidekick now believes in who jesus is and this all happens about the same time that clearance is getting arrested so we get to see jesus and i will say this uh i know that there's no point in scripture where jesus stops the stones mid-air like it's the matrix but i gotta say that was super dope to see (laughs) like i loved that goosebumps i clapped super excited um and again, for the most part, this is a uh, different depiction of the disciples. And you know, as I said, this is an African American centered film. So not only is Jesus African American, uh, well, I guess it wouldn't be African- American at that point, but you get what I mean. Um, not only is Jesus black, but all of his disciples are black. So the dialogue between them is a little bit different. Um, but when he stops the stones, Uh, And lowers them. It's beautiful. It just legitimately is. And we go on with this. And we see Clarence get arrested. Clarence gets to the point where uh, the Romans are testing him to prove that he's not a messiah. And it's very much a witch trial situation. They open a tank. They say, if you can walk on water, you prove that you're a messiah. And we're going to crucify you. Uh, If you can't walk on water, then we're going to drown you and then we'll clear your name after we kill you. So at this point in time, even though Clarence is an, you know, not truly a believer, um, you can tell that he's praying, that he's reaching out to God, and when he steps on the water, he walks on water. Um, but then he is very, very quick to start yelling and proclaiming, I'm not doing this, this isn't me, I'm not doing this, I'm not the Messiah. And he realizes, and you hear him say through his jail cell confession, that God did this for him <clears throat> and saved his life. But he's not the Messiah. He never was, and he was wrong to do so. Um, about, But the Romans offer clearance that if he betrays Jesus, if he actually turns in Jesus, then he'll be set free. And it's this whole thing and he says no that he won't betray him and he decides that he would rather be crucified than uh, betray Jesus. And it's a <clears throat> it's a beautifully genuine moment. Uh, like Stanfield's performance in it is you know a great a great representation and it really does give a good martyrdom depiction of what the disciples would eventually go through. Now, uh, this story, Clarence's arrest and things that follow this, take place three days before Jesus' crucifixion. And, uh, so at one point, we even get the full Last Supper of Jesus portraying, of Judas, uh, and Jesus' conversation about whoever dips his, uh, bread in the cup was gonna be the one betray me. Now, uh, I'm gonna say some stuff in this segment, uh, bear with me and be gracious, uh, in my descriptions here, um, because the last supper scene is one of the scenes, uh, where they go a little more off script than other things like for, and they make it a little bit more urban and cultural in the depiction of it. Uh, in fact, uh, when they start the conversation, uh, their Jesus says, One of you Negroes is going to betray me. Now, again, it's a room full of all black men. And but like that, I'll say that that one line is one of the only times I feel like they went a little too edgy and too far with the representation, but it also still didn't feel like disrespectful, just not the right context for the conversation. Um, But then, you know, it goes on to say that whoever dips his bread in the and instead of the cup it's great it's gravy um but i feel like they included the last supper scene um the flow of it was not conducive to the rest of the film and that's one of the, the hard parts about the film just on a directorial critical standpoint is a lot of the film doesn't flow like it goes in a lot of directions it adds a lot of things but it's almost like this could be several different episodes of a tv series that just got put together rather than the flow of one cohesive story so it feels like the um direction and the timing of the lord's supper scene was out of joint and that they over artistically stylized um the scene uh to the point where it looked more like a music video than a depiction, now again, it's artistic representation, um, and they, the, the way the scene plays out, they're at three different tables, but the way the camera angle goes down is, like, while they're in the middle of the portrayal thing, um, that it turns into the famous Lord's Supper painting, where it looks like they're all at one table fighting, and, but it's actually three different tables from a different angle, and it was, I'll say this, artistically, well done, they pulled that off well, but again, it doesn't flow, uh, in terms of storytelling or accuracy and but they they take a moment here to also show the turmoil and the internal battle that Judas was facing like it was literally like his own flesh was fighting against him and again it's extremely artistically done, especially this scene um, where they are in a point where they're turning um, this famous scene of the Lord's Supper and that painting and making it into a very artistic display of a film. Now, the only other time they go this just off-the-wall bananas visually in terms of storytelling is there's at some point uh, when Clarence is still trying to find money um, that they uh, go to a hookah bar or something to that effect and they get high Again, I told you he was a drug dealer. Um, this is all before the fake messiah stuff. And they literally are floating like in the air. Again, just weird artistic representation. The rest of the film plays out like a very straightforward story, but these couple moments um, you could tell just are kind of bananas. But it's like the white town from Harder They Fall, if you know the reference to that. But So all of these things are wrapping up. Clarence is about to be crucified. Uh, Jesus is with his disciples, like at the Lord's Supper, how that all plans out. It's like a three-day span in between. Um, but one other interesting thing, just to note in terms of comedy and storytelling, and it's also, I believe, a solid uh, cultural critique of American Christianity. Is that um, at the beginning of the film, there is a homeless man, a beggar, begging for coins. And uh, he's filthy, he's dirty, he's crippled in his back. um, And he's so dirty, you can't really recognize who it is. Um, Eventually, when we have another interaction with Jesus... um, I think, before the Lord's Supper or right after. Uh, I only got to watch the film once. I just honestly don't have the budget to drive an hour and watch it twice. And it's not playing in my town. Um, that he has an interaction with Jesus, and he asks Jesus for money. And Jesus gives him doesn't just give him money. He puts it to where um, like coins are literally popping out of his hands. Like, he's, it's overflowing, like multiplying the the fish and the loaves. And it's very visually impressive how they do it. Um, and Jesus heals him so that he can stand up straight. And so the man goes to get cleaned up. And lo and behold, once he's clean, uh, it's Benedict, Benedict Cumberpatch. And he has flowing, silky, brownish-blonde hair. And he's wearing a white robe and a red shawl. Uh, and he looks like he's dressed like every... Uh, version of Jesus in your grandmother's paintings and so one of the ladies say oh he looks like Jesus um, <laughs> and so immediately after that he goes outside and people start seeing him and he's just like toiling around and happy and giving all the people money and you know it's the cultural critique I believe artistically to say that white Jesus um, our American culturized version of Jesus just wants everybody to happy and be happy and give them money um, but that <laughs> the same white Jesus gets crucified right beside Clarence. And I will say, uh, if you've been to Bible college or seminary, or you just have a very uh, more artistically functioning understanding of how the crucifixions go, um, these were not the most accurate, but they also weren't the most inaccurate I've seen. Um, and so faced with betraying Jesus or not, Clarence decides to die. Uh, And not betray Jesus. And uh, so he's crucified. And as the credits roll, or not the credits roll, but as the story uh, comes to a shift. um, And I'm assuming based on the timing of this, this happens uh, before Jesus is arrested. Um, But we see a tomb, and Clarence is in the tomb, with the stone, the same type of stone we see every Easter and, uh, Jesus walks up to the stone, and, uh, let me say this before I get to this part, uh, when they were, when Jesus and the other disciples were aware that Clarence was going to be crucified, uh, Jesus makes this statement, um, that I can only do what the Father tells me, I've asked the Father, and He has not yet given me the answer of what to do with Clarence, and it very much mimicked some stuff we saw in scripture about you know he can only do what the father tells him and i just thought that was a really beautiful artistic way of saying that and i thought they did a really good job with that um but in the film uh jesus walks up to Clarence's tomb and he places his hand on the tomb and he prays and right and you start to hear the rumble and you know like every pseudo-christian in the world, you see the stone. You figure the stone's about to roll away. But instead, the stone like cracks into five pieces and falls away. And I got to say, that got me hype. <laughs> um, just like that Jesus walked up and he cracked the stone wide open. Um, like he knew what he was about to do. I don't know. There, I just thought that was a really, really, really beautiful representation. Um, that... Jesus literally walked up to somebody else's tomb, much like, and it also gave me strong vibes of what we see with Lazarus, um, what even in the trailer for the chosen season four, when Lazarus is being resurrected, it gave me strong vibes of that, but Jesus walks up to the stone, prays, it cracks into pieces, falls away, Jesus walks into the tomb and brings Clarence back from the dead. And when he does this, uh, Jesus quotes scripture and the scripture that he quotes is the scripture that, uh, Jesus quoted to, Mar- to Martha. He, uh, it's John eleven twenty five through 27. And this is what he tells Clarence. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing me will never die. Do you believe this? And so we actually end the movie with jesus bringing back Clarence and raising and using the same scripture that uh he uses right before he brings back lazarus so in a lot of ways uh clearance becomes a substitute lazarus in this story um and that's kind of where we get the end of the story now this is not a church film You can tell this is not a church film uh this has gladiator fights some violence some offensive language um and you know the disciples are and a lot of the culture is depicted in a lot more urban flair but this is not the most disrespectful or even really disrespectful film in terms of the representation of jesus i've seen a lot of actual christian films that have more inaccurate Depictions of Jesus than the Book of Clarence. I walked away encouraged. I literally was excited that people saw a pretty accurate representation of Jesus in theaters. And knowing that this film was made by and for a culture that's not necessarily believers, um, I was pretty encouraged by it. Um, the soundtrack is kind of fire. Um, it is not as good as the harder they fall soundtrack, but it is still good. But James Seymour does a lot of the music himself for this one, but, uh, costumes wise, uh, this movie was good. Um, and scenery wise, I've not seen many movies on a biblical theme that had this good of a scenery outside of like the gladiator pit, um, just the backdrop of what they painted Israel to look like at that point or Jerusalem uh, or Galilee, wherever wherever they were. Um, I believe it was Jerusalem. Their depiction of Jerusalem may have been one of the biggest and most beautiful versions I've seen on screen. Um, So, you know, I'm not going to tell you that this is a perfect holy representation, but if you have any enjoyment of just seeing a good story that parallels jesus's time and you can take some urban flair jokes you're gonna enjoy this um if you're expecting this to be something that you can show in sunday school it's a hard pass um but honestly for me personally uh for seeing jesus stop the stones midair and uh lower them to see uh jesus crack the tomb wide open um this movie was worth it for me it artistically was not all together. It artistically was not all smooth and it was not the most cohesive storytelling. Um, and a lot of it did kind of feel bland in some areas, um, or feel like, why are we going this far with this? And some of it just felt like artistic to be artistic. Um, some of the, uh, there was some dance scenes and, uh, some and stuff like that. It just felt like y'all just wanted to be, have fun with this that's the thing it's a movie it's an artistic expression um i'm just happy that they didn't do jesus poorly i think that was the the main thing i was concerned about because a lot of times religious films or religious adjacent films will do uh jesus poorly in those areas and i feel like a lot of this was done well um like even when they were when jesus was talking about he was waiting on a response from god before what they did for clarence and the way he just held his disciples and they cried um honestly that felt really genuine and authentic to me um i enjoyed the movie i plan to watch it again when i get the opportunity um there's some other pastors i really want to watch this movie with um but you know just know know what you're getting into before you watch it that it is uh watch the harder they fall on netflix and then watch this and so that you can know what you're getting into um but i i just gotta say seriously just watching uh jesus crack that tomb and then quote scripture i loved it like i walked out happy uh with that um It was not again. It's not the most cohesive or well put together story, but it is an interesting story. And in terms of you know coming out now, like I feel like this is something that probably you know would have done better just going to streaming. But you know, hopefully they won't take such a loss because uh, you know James is a talented creator, and he is a talented uh, filmmaker, and. I'm I'm just grateful to see something done in this capacity. So, yeah, there you go. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this. If you disagree with me on these points and you think it's like the worst thing ever, just understand <laughs> different opinions. And uh if you think I'm wrong, you can apply Roman's fourteen one one about where you bear with those whose faith is weak or in they're wrong and just give me some grace. And I'll give you some grace and we can be family. High five. Alright, thanks for taking time to listen, and I hope to see you at a con soon.